Got that shit on loop, bro. Two for the price of one. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Best of Five, a weekly FGC podcast. Tonight on the show, we're going to have a recap. We're going to talk about Dragon Ball Fighters Final Summoning. And we're going to talk about the new uh, characters that were revealed. Yep. Some say revealed a bit early. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the brackets and the tournament setup for that. Right. I'm sure you'll have an opinion on that. Oh, I definitely do. And they want to spend 45 minutes talking about Power Rangers, the new game. They finally oh, revealed yeah, some that's gameplay. the majority of the show. It's very important. And then, actually, I'm quite excited because we have a guest tonight, and that is none other than the CEO and founder of Panda Global, the samurai panda himself, Dr. Alan Benet. We'll come here. We're going to talk to him about a bunch of stuff, including... One of my favorite topics, the esportsification of the fighting game community. <laughs> yeah, you do love that one. <laughs> uh, we're joined, as we always are, by the way, I'm Efren, this is Mike. Uh, we're joined by John Velociraptor Guerrero. What's like up, everybody? I rolled the R there for you. I appreciated the double R roll. Yeah, and also Steve Ace King off. Steve? Steve, are you there? All I see is the Grand Blue Azures. I think that's how you fucking pronounce that title of that uh, stage. Steve is not on the show tonight. Um, global warming got the better of him. He's, <laughs> he's been uh, he's under some snow, I think. Now he's under the weather, and he won't be joining us tonight. But uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. And of course, being Steve, he still sent like a million different assets and did a bunch of work for the show. And so the recap tonight will way be... outworked the rest of us. So <laughs> yeah. thank you, Steve. Um, but Steve will be joining us uh, in spirit. The recap tonight will be done by yours truly. So why don't we go ahead and get to it? I think I have it here. Alon, hit me with that first. Oh, also, Alon's here. Yeah, yeah Alon. also hit us with the Steve Emote Sevens in the chat for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we need some of those. Where are they? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's start off our recap with Red Bull Final Summoning Dragon Ball Fighters World Tour Finals Last Chance Qualifier Number One. You were really excited about the Last Chance Qualifier going into this. <laughs> And first place was taken by Dogran, second place by Fenrich, not to be confused with Fenriddy. <laughs> then we had Alyun, Alyun, Soji, Aqua. How are people pronouncing BMBBN? It's Bonbabon. Bonbabon, which is a pretty cool name. No Kami. And, and so this Tachikawa. was an interesting one. Dogra took this one. He was the odds-on favorite to win it. At least one of these for sure. And Fenrich was right up there. For Alyun, this was his only top eight result, I believe. And this was the one time he made it super far. And he he nearly had Fenrich as well. So it was it was close. But, yeah, no cigar. Um, the last chance qualifier? Well, we'll get back Let's to Let's just it. go yeah. through quick. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll start talking So this is last chance qualifier number two, won by Kendevu. Bon so this was the most surprising win. Um, obviously, you see Barbabon and Fenrich, who ended up winning the two later ones after this. Makes sense. They get top three. Uh, but Kendevu was not going to be considered one of the top four players to make it through. However, he he fairly made it through the bracket, and this kind of opens it up, itself up to that. This I'm, was Apology Man's best uh, best showing in any of them as well. I'm a little bit confused. How come there's more than one last chance qualifier? So Kazunoko won four of the Dragon Balls, and they had it set up so that to fill the remaining spots, if someone won again, instead of going down the list at that specific tournament, they just added a last chance qualifier to the end. They had a weird provision where if one person won all seven Dragon Balls, there'd be one last chance qualifier, and they'd play a single first to ten or something like that. But outside of that, if someone had won six, there would have been seven last chance qualifiers. It could have been insane. All right. 
Last Chance Qualifier, number three. Or six, yeah. Bombabon, Panda Global's Nekiel, Aqua, Chris G, Finn So this was a bit of a heartbreak. This was the uh, America Last Chance Qualifier where we actually made some noise. We had three USA in the top eight. There was a, uh, a Spanish player as well. So it was, it was a bit more diverse than the rest. It was pretty much Japan domination the whole weekend. Bombabon was someone that people hadn't really, a lot of people didn't know going into the weekend. But as soon as anyone saw him play, he was clearly a favorite to do very well. Uh, a very defensive player. Some people were saying he had like the best movement of anyone they've ever seen. Really, really good. It was a heartbreak that Nakiel couldn't make it through and had another American. But, you know, Bob and Bond definitely deserved it. Okay. Number four. And then finally, after, I think, I, I forget the exact stat, but Fenrich played something like 60 tournament matches this weekend because he got the top eight in every single one in finals of like three of the last chance qualifiers, finally taking the last one over Moke, who was probably one of the favorites to win one of these. So Fenrich, uh, shout outs to him for having like the peace of mind and the presence of mind to be able to sit through four of these last chance qualifiers, come so close so many times, and then finally take the last one. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the finals themselves. And uh, you called it last week. It wasn't week. free. I, I honestly thought it was going to be free. Kazunoko, he won four of the events going into this. He's been dominating in Japan. He has one of the most set game plans, and he's just basically been untouchable since his the beginning of his reign of dominance. And it wasn't free at all. Goichi versus him in the winner's finals was close. Fenrich ended up resetting it on him. But he won pretty solidly, and he showed that without question, he is the best Dragon Ball Fighters player right now. Um, I think the top three is definitely an exact list of the three most prepared players going into this. And it was a show. I think a lot of people weren't expecting the gameplay to really like entice them anymore, and but it did. And yeah. you know, 50,000 people watched, and the finals were hype, and Fenrich almost won, and Reddit's haiku, and, and it was good. It was a good tournament. And you know, there was also some more characters being used and a little more variety, and yeah. it was fun to see that. Now, there were, I believe, six or five or six Bardocks in there, but all the top teams were different. Uh, you know, you had... Hook, uh, you had Goichi playing a team similar to Hooks with Piccolo. You had uh, Kazunoko playing his own weird team. Let's talk about the Americans. How did you feel about Hook Gang, God, and Sonic Fox? Did you expect more from them? Were you Was it about right? I expected more from Hook. Hook did not play his best game this weekend. Not at all. He looked, he looked off for sure. Um, and he got bodied pretty much both games. He, I, no, I, sorry. I think the first game was close, and then he got bodied in the losers. Anyhow, he he didn't look his best. He he said on Twitter he didn't play his best. He went out, you know, two games in a row. Sonic, you know, what? Well, yeah, I was just gonna ask because I've I've been kind of out of the loop over the weekend because I was uh, on a on a vacation. Where'd you go, Disneyland. buddy? <laughs> the happiest place on earth, baby. Um, and it was great. But uh, but yeah, so I'm coming back and I'm seeing all this and I look at a Dragon Ball Fighters top eight bracket. Given it's the World Tour, but it doesn't matter what uh, if Sonic Fox is there. I am expecting to see him first, maybe second. Third would be news. But I look at this top eight, and it, what was he in fifth? Yeah. Total? So he like he won once, and then and then was kaput, and uh, and like that. I mean, maybe he's been playing Smash since it came out. Maybe he's just been on this Mortal Kombat kick. But to see Sonic Fox that low, that's crazy to me. And no, I haven't watched it yet, so I'm I'm excited to see or to hear what Donka has to say about it. But um, that was I, I think that's striking for a lot of people to see that name 
fifth place overall on, on any you know standings, let alone Dragon Ball Fighters. Sonic was not ready for this tournament. He was still playing his pre-patch team. So Sonic's team is Hit, Android 16, and Bardock. And the Android 16 and Bardock synergy before the last patch hit was clearly the best in the game. They both had the best level threes, and they kind of went into each other very well. Their assists worked perfectly for each other. Everything was, you know, peaches with those two characters. They both got nerfed pretty severely. They still remained, you know, high to top tier, but the way they worked together was nerfed a lot. Basically, Android 16's assist does a lot less stun, so Bardock couldn't always lariat in and then make you block Android 16 and go wild. That doesn't mm -hmm. work the same way anymore. And both of their level threes don't give you real mix-up afterwards anymore, so he really didn't have a setup for mix-up. And in a in a series where, you know, Kazunoko won with crazy Ghost Oki and Goichi got second or third with crazy uh, Piccolo Oki and Fenrich was killing you off every hit, his team just wasn't there. And it didn't look like this was his focus. And even you could, met, you could see it when he lost. His head wasn't in this the same way it was when he won EVO. Mm -hmm. And you can tell that maybe he's off in MKX land. He talked about it a bit on Twitter and or MK11, sorry. Um, but yeah, this was not his strongest showing, and I think he'd tell you that openly. This just was not a tournament he was ready to win. It's a shame because it would have been great to see him uh, bring it home for America. Yeah, especially with the season that he'd had. But you know, it also went to Kazunaka, who, as you said, really deserved yeah. it based on his play. Do you want to talk about that grand finals? Um, we have a little bit of it here. I'll just go to a We can talk spot. about it, yeah. Um, so Fenrich, I mean, I don't have too much in the way of specific analysis going on for this. Uh, Fenrich did take the reset uh, in large part. I guess the story of these two players is that Fenrich is the most optimized player. And he's um, been that way since Blaze Blue. If he hits you, he's going to do as much damage as is humanly possible to do off of that hit. Oftentimes killing you in one touch off of some of Cell's unskilled starters. So if he hits you with an anti-air or if he hits you with a raw heavy you are probably going to die every time, and he does not drop these combos. Uh, Kazunoko, on the other hand, um, him and Goichi, who got first and third, have teams set around consistently looping you back into the same mix-up. So Kazunoko will hit you with Gotenks, knock you down, call the Ghost, do a mix-up, do the same thing, and Goichi will do it with Piccolo's Hellzone Grenade. And so Fenrich was the one guy not using that strategy at the top, and he almost, he almost made it out, but... By the end, he just he lost the first hit too many times to Kazunoko. One thing they mentioned is that, and Hiroki, the producer of the game, mentioned is that you know whoever takes the first character very often wins in this game. And I think for old school people, that's not really a bad thing. Marvel Two is the same way, but in the era of new fighting games, it's a lot more common to design games around comeback mechanics. And the one in this game isn't too strong. Mm -hmm. uh, first character won most of the games in the grand finals, so. It'll be interesting to see how that changes with a few of the patches, which we can talk about later. Now, before we get to that, um, so we saw the culmination of the first season of Dragon Ball Fighters. Did it live up to the hype? You know, there, there's been some great ones, right? Capcom Cup, if you ask me, was a little bit lackluster this year or last this year. This tournament Tekken is... Tekken World Tour was good. The gameplay was so good in this tournament, and it was ran pretty poorly, to be honest. I think there was a ton of problems going on. Um... We sat through last chance qualifiers. Um, players were complaining there was no water. I mean, like literally, not only could you not bring in water, and they ran but out they water. ran out of water to buy. And so everyone was filling up water from the you know sink of the bathroom because that was the gross. only way you could get water. Did you say gross? <laughs> in, into the end of the venue. Um, 
I don't think the last chance qualifier system really worked out. Basically, you know, they put these four, they like semi-randomly seated it. It was still seated. No one knows the exact way they did it. But some people ended up playing constantly throughout all four qualifiers. Notably, Apology Man and Aqua played first round out of pools in four consecutive tournaments. And Apology Man lost three times and Aqua, you know, lost once. But the fact of the matter is those were two very good players and they should have at least been playing other good players once they got out instead of the same guy over and over again. In the same reign, instead of remaking the brackets with the people who lost out, like, so Dogra qualifies out of the first bracket. They just DQ'd him from the next bracket, so there's no seated player there. So some people are getting extremely easy roads in the in the brackets where people who already won a tournament are in. And some people like Apology Man are just playing Aqua over and over again. And it just didn't show a lot of thought. It The level of play clearly was deteriorated by the end. I mean, these guys have played like 100 tournament matches in a row, and they're playing in the fourth one. I don't think it was particularly exciting by the end. I mean, it, I understand it's cool seeing, oh, he finally makes it to the grand finals. This guy wins. This guy wins. This guy wins. It, it's fun to see in that sense, but it was too grueling. The venue obviously wasn't ready for it, and it didn't make a lot of sense. And there were some similar problems on finals day. It was a lot better, but there was a lot of audio mixing problems. There was mm-hmm. a lot of shot problems. The production just didn't seem crisp. Seems fair. John, do you so, have anything to so add? What do you? Well, I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch it, uh, but I, I would ask, like, what would you give it out of 10 for an event? Because you're saying that the uh, the action was great, and I think that's what most people have been talking about. I haven't heard anything about um, the production being too bad, but obviously if, if the things you're saying there are, are the case, that that's a huge black eye. Or Finals day was fine. Thing. If we were going just off finals day, I'd say like it was a little bit ugly, but it worked out. It's I mean, the game's so long, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. I'd say it was like a, you know, finals day was probably a seven. LCQ day... I don't know, like a five. Yeah, but how about that TV wall in the back? It wasn't offensive. Was I guess sick. if you were at the venue dehydrated and dying and have to like leave to buy a $7 bottle of water, that kind of sucks. But I feel like the whole pro tour was kind of not thought out. I just felt like it was something they did because other people were doing a pro tour. That seems like what the FGC kind of finds itself in over and over again. It's like the early stages of doing these esportsy kind of things and like they're copying, but they haven't gotten all the bugs worked out. And so we're running into problems like this. And like sometimes they're a huge deal. Sometimes it's it's like, well, we don't appreciate that the players don't have water on the stage, you know, but but I mean, they probably, you know, of course do. But I think that these are, are things that um, they'll figure out as time goes on. Yeah, and I mean, they had the most important parts. They had the best players there. I mean, like, the top eight was all eight, like, world-class fighting gamers. The commentators were great. The important pieces were there, but the, the glue that held it together was not. And they could, they could do a lot to improve it next year very easily. Um, no, oh, I, I, they, had a, they had the exact same gaffe as Capcom as well where essentially they uploaded the oh, reveal <laughs> hours before. And what could have been an insanely hype moment with, like, you know, they had Sean Schemmel and the other guy there, the voices, the characters, like, revealing these four new characters, a couple of which were very unexpected, at least to me. 
was just no hype at all because everyone knew who they were. It was six hours before. It was... I, I suspect what happens in these uh, quote-unquote leaks or you know pre-reveals is that they upload the video well in advance and they set a timer yeah. for it to be launched and they don't then go back and coordinate with the right. schedule of the event, right? So it comes out and you're like, oh, crap. Um, so it's a shame. Somebody should stay on that. Of course, they want to be like hot off. Like the second they announce it, they want right. the trailer to be out. But, but I mean, this just sucked the hype out of it. There was none. So that was within the context of the event. But now, standing back, looking at it, um, let's assume that, um, it, that that hadn't happened. What do you think of what we saw here? Now, I haven't watched the new Dragon Ball Super. The characters they chose were cool. They added a, a, a woman, which is good. I mean, there's like two in the game, so we're at a third. Um, so that's cool. Jiren seems like an obvious choice. They're adding these Dragon Ball Super characters. He's the big bad villain of that. So it makes perfect sense. He looks pretty cool. He looks cool, right? He looks different. He seems like an armor or a counter character, so I like that. Um, Videl looks cool. We didn't see any gameplay of Gogeta or Broly, mm -hmm. but I, I think the movie's been received very well, so that's good. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to keep this playing as we talk about it. Now, uh, the yeah, the other thing they announced is there's a patch that is coming out, I think, tomorrow or tonight, something like that. It's and in what the do you think is going to happen? It's really weird, right? They haven't uh, announced every detail of it or whatever. People are wondering. There's no character changes currently. So every change is a system change. Oh, really? Yeah. So it no might be a character new game. rebalance announced yet, but a lot of major system changes. Like? The most notable of which are, for one, if you use meter, so if you use an EX move or a super, mm -hmm. you're locked out of building meter for a certain period of time. Mm. So if I super, I can no longer build bar for, I don't, we don't know how long it is yet, but let's say a couple seconds. The big deal of this is, I don't know if you saw any of the footage, but Piccolo will often throw the hell zone grenade, mm -hmm. hit you, snap you out, and do it again, over and over again. Now you don't build bar after you, you make them hit a mix-up off the Hellzone grenade. So basically what that means is you can't loop it over and over how again. Many, how many bars does it cost? It costs one and you used to build two. So it was infinite. I mean, you could literally yeah. do it forever, get another mix-up, go on. Now the assumption is that it'll be meter negative. So you need to have a bunch of meter to start it, which... That sounds like a good It's move. a great change. I yeah. mean, yeah, the game was dominated by looped setups like that. So it was a good change. They made a lot of good changes in that line. They buffed some of the defensive options like um, tag out or whatever. You know, uh -huh. they call them weird things. Z tag. And um, yeah, a bunch of changes like that. And here we're seeing the uh, second half of the reveal where they, they use just animation or you know stills. Or right, yeah, no gameplay, just stuff from the movie and, and animations. Overall, it was a good tournament. I think the patch needs to be more than it is right now if they want to amp up a bunch of interest. They, they certainly got a ton of viewers, right? There was like 50,000 plus viewers for the finals. I think people enjoyed it, but... If they want people to actually come and play the game, announcing new characters in a somewhat minor patch like this one isn't enough. Um, and then, because there was other people like restreaming, and I think there was at least, uh, I, actually, I I'm not sure, but I assume there was also foreign language ones, but I think there was almost close to 80, if I'm not mistaken. So that's good. It's a shot in the arm for the for the game. Um, it's a good amount. Here, I'm trying to pull the uh, another trailer here. The weird thing to me, and the question for me is, they shut down all these tournaments, right? And the assumption is that they're going to have all the tournaments be on their own tour, mm -hmm. and right, and they're gonna really take control of their tour. 
if they're going to shoehorn everything into their tour, it's got to be three times better than it was this year. It can't be seven tournaments with a weird gimmick format that ends in, you know, dehydration Sunday. Like, you can't, it can't be that. It's got to be super killer if you're going to take the FGC's, like, greatest quality of grassroots tournaments away. You better offer something crazy in return. And that's not what we got. We need something much, much better if they want season two to, to matter. To me. Okay, here we go. I finally found it. I'm trying to find the uh, – because it revealed some gameplay of the Power Rangers game. I know we're not to reveal where we're going with this, but um, – All right, so um, issues with the setup of the tournament, um, but some of the highest level gameplay. We got some new characters. They announced it. It really felt like, man, they're really – why take a page directly? And I'm not talking about the gaffe of having the trailer be revealed early, but like it felt like they literally took the playbook from Capcom, have – their version of uh, Ono go up, and uh, I, I, I find it endearing, and it's a good thing to try to speak in English, but it also comes off a little bit awkward, and maybe... The uh, whole thing felt very contrived, I completely agree, and, and copied, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why why do that, do your own thing. Um, John, what's been, I know you said you missed it because you were in the, enjoying your time at Disneyland, but what's the reaction been on Event Hubs, if at all, or around with the staffers, but also in the comment sections? Well, it seems like people are are mostly kind of focused on what the game's like gameplay is going to evolve into with all of the system changes. I think that's more the important thing. I again, like I said, I hadn't heard that it was a crappily run, or I, I guess I shouldn't go that far, but that the production wasn't, um, you know, not all I's were dotted and T's crossed. Uh, so it's been more about like what will Dragon Ball Fighters look like as a competitive, watchable game in 2019 here. Um, and, and so that's more of a conversation about, well, it's going to be, you know, there's, there's a little bit more to do with, like, you know, defense and a less, less like, craziness on offense and, and things are going to flow a little better and rounds will go by a little bit faster, things more of that sort. But not so much that the, the, uh, the production itself was uh, not up to par. All right. Um, anything else? You want? Steve, what do you have? Anything to add um, <laughs> to the Dragon Ball discussion here? Mm-hmm. It's almost like you have an infinite amount of things to say. Wow. All right, uh, moving on. Let's talk a little bit about the game that everybody's been waiting for. Finally got some gameplay. Check this out. That's the Green Ranger. Tell me that back in the day, you came home, in my case, from high school, this shit wasn't hype. It was Sailor Moon and this on TV when I got home from school. Oh, see, I was watching Dragon Ball. I was watching Power Rangers in the morning. But, yes, and... If, uh, what, like, seven-year-old John saw this, uh, lose your mind immediately. It would be the coolest thing ever, getting to play as Tommy with all the fixings, you know, with his, his uh, what is it, his special armor and, and bands and such. So cool. Um, now I'm like, oh, cool, like, cool, whatever. Yeah. But, but back in the day, this would have been great. <laughs> Pre-order bonus? That means you have to buy this game? <laughs> yeah, it's you have to pay money for it? The pre-order bonus is... Uh, can we uh, play that trailer again? Yeah, we can probably do that again. Here, give me a sec. Uh, let me just go to the part that you're talking about. I have to buy this game? You you can even pre-order it if I'm you like. We're like in a fucking race to the bottom. Like, there <laughs> should be like a government injunction. Like, some sort of rule. Like, your graphics have to be at least this good to make a fucking fighting game anymore. They just gotta add some shaders to it or something. What the hell is going on, man? <laughs> you know, you know, so you know, How does it get worse <laughs> every year instead of better? 
We got 14, and then MVCI made 14 look great, and then this makes MVCI look like a fucking masterpiece. Like, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Uh, I think the uh, term we're looking for is cash grab, um, because it's a hot license, Power Rangers. It's, I don't think they've ever been more I mean, popular. I'm assuming this is a cheap game. I'm assuming it's like five or ten bucks, right? It can't be... A full price game. It cannot. It cannot be five or ten bucks if you're gonna have Justin Wong be the uh, bouncer. Do you think on that's it. gonna cost sixty dollars? I hope not, but I don't think it's gonna be five or ten. I don't even think it'll be fifteen. Maybe thirty bucks. Maybe forty bucks. If that's thirty bucks, they, 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 they got Tommy Green. Uh, I'm assuming that's his name because his name was Jason Tommy. Dave Green. Frank. <laughs> that guy to be in the commercial, man. <laughs> what? What do you think, man? I can't believe this. I just like Tom. I just really want Tom Green to be a part of the Power Rangers now. <laughs> I didn't even mean Tom Green, but that, I guess that is what I said. Um, I don't know, man. Not impressed. Sounds like it, you're it impressed. It upsets me. I don't know. Like, let's start making real fucking fighting games again at some point. Like, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, I really wish Steve was here because I would toss to him and be like, hey, man, what's up with this Tekken Japan versus Korea 12v12? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Steve has nothing to add to it. But we do have a graphic that he sent us. The ghost of Steve sent us. Tekken 7 International 12v12 Exhibition. Team Korea versus Team Japan on March 2nd. I'm excited about that. It's in a little over a month. Breadman. We all love Breadman. And on Team Korea, we have Breadman, Chanel, JDCR, Dimebag, John Ding, Kakoma, Ni, Lohai, Mogul, Kudans, Rangchu, Osan. I've heard these names before. Team Japan, you have a bunch of other guys. Um, Gotta assume Team Korea is a pretty heavy favorite going into this. Yeah, I think that's a lock. Um, um, but how do you do a 12v12 exhibition, Steve? <laughs> 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 we need Steve back. Steve, I need you to give me information. Hey, by the way, uh, Steve in the chat is telling us that it's $20 for the standard edition and $40 for the collector's edition. That's what are you collecting? You <laughs> You're collecting Tommy Green? You probably get eggs. <laughs> yeah, you get a Tom Green action figure and the dagger. Elon says you get some magic eggs in a box. It's incredible. Like, how do these games have the gall to sell collector's editions when the game looks like that? The collector's edition is 40 bucks, which is still less than a full price game, and you're still going to complain? You don't have to yes. buy for it. Why don't you vote with your dollars, Mike? I, oh, I will. <laughs> uh, but yeah, 20 bucks? 20 bucks? No. Play on your console or on a PC? Okay, but you, can you not appreciate how many people that don't care as much about graphics and such and the little fanboys? Yeah, and no, we're talking. Like, you know, this game's not for John. you, Mike. I, yeah. I, I think this game will get terrible reviews. So how about that? I'll bet you but that... you think this game will bring in the money? No. Maybe? The thing Maybe is, I'm wrong. Let, let, let me tell you why they're making a mistake. Why do people assume that fighting games make money? Yes, some have. Yes, Mortal Kombat will. But... Is it like easy to make a fighting game, or is that why it's like instead of doing like a, I wonder what the production costs versus like a open world uh, Power Rangers game versus a uh, fighting game would be, but I feel like you gotta be really good. Love Justin, love Power Rangers. This shit sucks. Oh wow, they have a season pass. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it, man. I mean, those are the rules now. Anyway, um, moving on. To uh, Blaze Blue Tags, getting an arcade version via Nessica. You're excited about that, right? It's cool. <laughs> God damn it, Mike. Uh, Farming Simulator is getting a $250,000 Euro uh, league. Makes sense. And uh, Steve was kind of to write in here, yes, it's bigger than the Tekken World Tour. <laughs> I'm not sure how you do um, 
like an esports league with farming simulator? Has anybody ever played that game? Alon, for sure you've played it. It's the first person to. All right, Shiggity Shank, wins. I will take that bet. Okay, what's the bet? And then we'll cut back to Alon. If who the will reviews tell us. for Power Rangers are under 75, I don't have to buy it. If they're over 75, I do. On you what? Have to buy it and play it on the on the show. Yeah, we'll play it. I'll play someone. If we can play online, I'll play you, John. Seventy-five on. What? Oh wait, then like, you have to buy it too. My money on that. Okay, yeah. Okay, fair enough. But like, what review score are we talking about? Is it Metacritic? Or we'll are we figure it out. It'll, It'll be, be obvious. I'm reviewing it. This shit's not getting to 75. I don't care. It's peak review will not be a 75. Yeah, it'll probably get like a... It'll probably get a feeling. If it's exactly 75 on Metacritic with at least five different reviews, (laughs) I will buy 10 copies of this fucking game. How about that? For y'all. Is that the the collector's edition? I'm sorry. I'm swearing a lot today. I don't know why I'm angry. Yeah, so let, 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 let me bring you down here a little bit with some good news, and that is that none other than Jay Wizzle Justin Wong has brought in new life to this world in the form of oh, a new daughter, cute. Harper, oh. Harper Joy Wong. And I picked this picture because it's gangster, as it says in the uh, description here. Enhance a little bit on that gangster love there, would you? Um, congratulations to Justin Wong. He's been on the show numerous times. Dare we consider Wait, him so a friend of the show? Wait, so the kid has a Twitter? Kid has a Twitter, man. Wow, that's what you do these really... days. Yeah, I need to get step my game up because Kami doesn't have a uh, a Twitter. But um, I'm also not a famous fighting game player. Anyway, um, congratulations joining the dad club. Uh, we wish him the best. Send him some love on Twitter. Shout out to Justin Wong and his uh, growing family. Isn't it nice? Yeah. Mike, you have a kid on the way, right? No. That you know of? Probably. John, Disneyland, spark anything? <laughs> Steve. Steve, what about you, bud? Uh-huh. All right. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to move on to uh, nothing. That's about it. Everything else of the show, we should just go straight to our... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. Mortal Kombat 11. I wanted to talk about uh, P... What do you call them? The, the brothers. The Ketchup and Mustard. Brothers. But don't they have another name? PND, I think, something or other. Yeah, something like that. Can't the Conrad Brothers. Ketchup and Mustard. I wish I had pulled some videos, but I didn't want to because it would be, you know, stealing from them. But uh, if you've seen... Okay, first of all, if you watched all the stuff that they released and revealed, I had a lot of questions when I left. What's the crushing blow? What's the finishing blow? What's the mortal blow? What's the combat blow? <laughs> what are all these different things? How do you use the meter? What about in-depth uh, uh, breakdowns of each character? PNG... PNG. Ketchup and Mustard have breakdowns not only of every character so far... Well, I don't think they have them for Sonya yet or Scarlet, but they have in-depth breakdowns of each character, and they have in-depth breakdowns of how some of the new mechanics work. One of the things that I found really interesting is, you know how they had brutalities in Mortal Kombat X, right? right. If you hit a certain uh, specific thing, at the end, you'll do a cooler finisher. Right. Well, they basically took that into the round, and if you, for example, do a... 10-hit combo with Scorpion that ends in a certain move, that move will now have an additional property that does like a mini x-ray, but also could lead to an extender. Right. Um, why is that cool? Because, one, it uh, uh, you can fish for it. You can see it's coming, or you can plot, or you can save it for later. But it also gives you extended combos. Uh, it's cool and cinematic. You can only do one of those per the match. And... Um, 
it was really interesting to see how they're implementing that. I really feel like the it's interesting. Boys, it could lead to different combo routes and having to like force yourself to do things differently. Yeah, it's it's the, a cool idea. The entire game is from from the little that we've seen thus far. It's like they've gone above and beyond in giving players choice yeah. on how to deal with things. I agree because, with that. like you were saying, like a character will have like four or five different crushing blows, which is what I think you were just talking about. Um, like one of them is, uh, I think one of Sub-Zero's, for instance, is activated on like, if he does his slide move, if he hits it four times, like on the fourth time that it hits, it'll activate a crushing blow version where it'll do more damage or give him a better setup afterwards, something like that. But for the most part, these are, first of all, you have to do a lot of research to know not mm -hmm. only when your character can do these things, because it's like, if someone whiffs a move, then you do an uppercut as a punish, and that will trigger it. Um, but there are certain situations where you'll be able to choose whether or not you want to do the crushing blow version of this or not, and you only get to do each of your character's crushing blows, which they might have four or five of, once per match. So you have to really choose, is this the right time to do this, or should I save it for later? Um, and, and like, Mortal Kombat has always been there for the casual player. But with things like the crushing blows, with the, um, the short hops and the, the variations that come out of that, the, uh, the perfect blocks, or what is it, flawless blocking, there are plenty of little things peppered in that will essentially allow for separation between, like, just basic combat play and what the pros might want you to be doing. And, and I think that it's really exciting to see that because, like I kept said, Mortal Kombat's, you know, I think I said it last time on the cast, has been more of a checkers to Street Fighter's chess. And this time around, the kind of nuance that you're going to be able to play with if you choose. You can throw all this stuff out and not think about it at all and just be surprised, you know, when you activate a crushing blow um, or get lucky when you do a flawless block. But the fact that people can play on such a detailed and intricate level or not is a perfect approach at least in theory we'll see how it actually comes to fruition but i'm excited for it because of those kinds of reasons yeah i, I really like that i feel like they're kind of throwing a bunch of new ideas in and doing everything new it feels like they're really trying to make mk11 its own game and it's coming off an era where i'm kind of sick of a lot of these companies like just kind of throwing out things that work over and over and over again. I feel like they're trying something new finally. And yeah, a lot of the ideas are borrowed from other fighting games, of course. But it does really feel like they're going above and beyond to, as you said, make MK11 something totally different with tons and tons and tons of depth. However, I mean, we'll see how artificial it is, how natural it is, but it definitely looks a lot different than MKX. It looks a lot different than Injustice. It looks a lot different than any game we've seen before. And I'm excited for it. And I haven't said that about an NRS game in a while. So, so. Uh, I, I went ahead and pulled the video. But here we're seeing... Here, I'm going to rewind a little bit because I want to point out. Some of these are like... The 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 um, thing you have to do to, to activate it is just do a move on block or a... Um, what am I looking for? Hit. A punish. Blows. Yeah. So, some of them are really easy to do. Some of them have to be a part of a long combo. It, I just think it's really cool, man. I'm really excited about this game. It's a, it's a weird element of choice. It's like, you know, you think about SF5 V-Trigger and you're like, oh, you can activate V-Trigger at different times. There's basically one good time to activate V-Trigger for the most part, you know? Like, mm -hmm. it's after your best long normal that cancels into it. There's exceptions to that rule, of course. We've seen cool times where they activated it neutral and anti-aired. But for the most part, you're doing it off your best block normal. This 
hopefully will be a situation where you see people using their crushing blows and saving them and not using them, and it feels very different every single match. I think that's what they're going for, and if they balance them right, that's what they'll get. Uh, I'm not sure at what point in this video, and by the way, I'm playing it on mute, obviously, because you should go back and watch this, and there's awesome narration and explanation, but like basically a move that otherwise would not be a special move cancelable can now be, for example, cancelled into the spear, which of course leads to a combo extension. Anyway, I'm really excited for this game. I can't come out soon enough. When does the beta come out? Anybody know? March, I think. Dang, March is a long time ago. Not from now. Um, that's one of the things I'm excited to talk to um, Dr. Alan Bonet about because obviously they have Ultimate, and Ultimate has a ton of potential, obviously, and a ton. I mean, the streams are still getting a lot. Even like locals are getting a ton of, of play. I know you've been putting in work with Peach. She's going to get been nerfed. Trying. But, She's uh, probably going to get nerfed tonight, yeah. Uh, is she going to get nerfed or are you going to get pronounced? Let's get, let's come back to that in a second. Um, what what plans yeah. do they have for for Mortal Kombat? <laughs> I actually I was listening to an old interview that I never published from a couple of years back at Evo 2017, and uh, at the time they had just signed Scar right, and he had gotten third I think in Mortal Kombat at that uh, tournament. We'll see. All right, guys. Um, what else do you want to talk about? What's going on at Event Hubs? What are you writing after your break? <laughs> well, a lot of it has been gearing up to be... You know what, what we're not writing about as much right now is Street Fighter, because um, we haven't heard anything from them, uh, save for that really cool 3v3 league, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about some sarcasm in your voice there. Uh, I actually don't have much issue with it, but a lot of people responded negatively because of the bands thing, and, and there's that. And so Street Fighter tends to be like our, our main go-to um, you know, title here, but we've got so much information... Right now, we're really looking forward to uh, seeing what happens with Smash Bros because there's a potential patch release tonight, and maybe Piranha Plant drops. We don't know, but that that's something that we're you know keeping an eye out for. Give me so the plant. If that happens, yeah. If that happens, uh, I'll be skedaddling from here because I have to cover that immediately. But there's that. The fact that Dragon Ball Fighters is like it went through this kind of like a I don't even know if it was a lull, but like we didn't have much for it for a while. That changed over the weekend with the kickoff of like you know how the game's going to be changing, how we're getting new characters, how the competition happened. Like there's plenty to talk about there um, as we've been doing here. So um, it's been interesting in the fighting game community right now, just because things have been shifting as of late. The normal you know kind of routine places, aka like Street Fighter Five, Capcom games and such, have been just barely doing you know all right uh, as of late while like bandai namco nrs nintendo in the fighting game genre have all leveled up like crazy yeah and it feels like the landscape is changing in a lot of ways so um that's kind of been like where my finger the pulse my finger has been on as of late but again i'm just getting back from like a fun-filled adventure into uh, disneyland and california adventure so i'm also playing a lot of catch-up right now so forgive me if i don't know Everything about everything that's going on. I think we might see a famous Japanese player pick up MK11. Why do you think that? Is it, I just think that time? it's so primely being released. Is it because Sonic Box came in and threatened their superiority? I think that Sonic's been trying to get them to do it. I think that Street Fighter will be kind of real early in the season. I think that no other big game is coming out. I just feel like it has the chance to really try to blow up. It's obviously going to depend on how good the game is. If the game sucks, no one cares. But I think it has a chance 
of, of getting some real international appeal outside of just the U.S. and Europe. There's some people in the I'm chat hearing. saying that MOV played Mortal Kombat X. MOV wanted to play Mortal Kombat X, but the violence there was, was too much. There was a few Japanese people who played the game, sure, but we didn't see any of them doing much in tournaments. No, I mean, the thing that yeah. stands out to me is that the, it was too violent. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to play this game. <laughs> this, is, this is too much. <laughs> Um, it is, it doesn't, I mean, for the, uh, casual audience, certainly if the game sells a million units, it's because there's a lot of people that aren't, you know, hardcore fighting game players, uh, purchasing the game, but is it a detractor to, to, to the fighting game? The fact that it's so violent, I'm not sure. I don't think so. For some people it is. I, I, I've never, I, we, we talked about this a bit last week. I've never really understood <clears throat> it, but some people really find it like gruesome. If yeah, they have... I've never been moved by Mortal Kombat Gore. It's always like I grew up with it, and I was, I've always just been like, yeah, that's that's not real life. This is real life. But but a lot of people don't like it. Elon, do you have something to add to this? Yeah, there's only been one thing that kind of made me uh, slightly nauseous. About... Was it that fatality we saw last week where he shot a laser through his chest no, and no. Uh, <laughs> broke him in two? No, but that was close. Uh, no, it was actually, I think, the X-ray move for Noob where he kicked somebody and they threw up. And the throw up made me sick. <laughs> but everything else was fine. There was a noob cybot, or a noob, the, the one uh, where like they rip him in half like a wishbone. That was pretty fucked up. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. What about the one where there was an x-ray where he punches them in the nuts and they explode? That was neat. Yeah. Okay, so um, if, obviously, they've had the Injustice Pro League, they've had <laughs> NRS Pro Leagues in the past, ballpark guesses, shot in the dark, Will there be a Pro League for MK11? And obviously there will be. Duh. But what are we looking for in the realm of prize pools? Ugh. What was... Uh, Might be the most yet. It, it has the potential to be, right? You see what they did for their freaking pre-launch reveal event. And they pull out all the stops. Um, you think that they might put some money in it. Now, again, they don't need to put money in a Pro Tour to sell units. We all know that. Right. Um, but it would be nice to, like, you know, show everybody else up. One million Ed Boon dollars says Jake2XR. Any idea? Hmm. What do you think, John? What would I, you like well, to see? I'd like to see them set a new standard. So if they were to be able to come forward with a number like one million dollars in prizes and that's throughout the entire tour that's including the finals and then all of the that's get this you know it gets dispersed throughout all the events throughout the tour you know because capcom's kind of the the top dog there right now with five hundred thousand dollars but that's been the standard for a few years and it's really only been them doing that i think that i think if you're mortal Kombat, you can i just don't know if you do because like we were talking about with smash bros last week their event, like their game, is not dependent on the competitive crowd. Their game is much more dependent on the casual crowd. And it's like, is it worth investing a million bucks for the competitive side of things? Now, maybe because there's no way that, uh, like, I can totally see that happening. And I don't think a million dollars to be invested into something like this, even if they lost that, would be a huge hit to them, considering how much money they're going to make. Like MKX, I think, set the record for fighting games as far as uh, sales go at the time that it came out. Um, and there's no reason to, to think that MK11 wouldn't do just that plus more. Uh, so so I think that it's going to be there. It's just how much does NRS really want to jump into the side because they probably don't really have to. And they've already paid mind to the competitive crowd with the things we just talked about and how they're making the game's mechanics um, as such. Now, if they're truly going full esports with this, then then it's like, a, oh, for sure. And, and why wouldn't they do that? Um, so... 
I think there's a decent chance that we see something like that. They might go and just do 500K, uh, but anything less than that, I feel like, you know, NRS could probably afford to do that much. And it would be really cool to have a number bigger than what Capcom is doing in their fighting game department right now. So I think 500K would be the minimum that I would like to see for an entire tour. I could see that. Um, going back to Street Fighter Five for a second, Alon, did you say there was maintenance? Uh, they're they're up right now. Like um, I actually have the page open right now, but most of it's all bug fixes that happened today. What John said. Thank you, Alon. You're welcome. Um, I don't understand why they haven't announced anything. Not even like a hold tight, sit tight, or something. I, I, I'm annoyed by it. I think everybody is. I think everyone goes like like the game is competitively speaking balanced like it's i think it's probably the best it's ever been uh but there are a lot of easy praises to sing about it just with the general changes that you know have come about we're not talking about having like a season two balrog floating around there or a season three abigail um and, and i'm sure there's going to be some broken stuff but as far as like the what the main thing that a lot of the, the the street fighter crowd is looking at it's looking really good but you've also trained your entire audience, and train might not be the best word, but to basically expect a certain kind of schedule, a certain kind of approach to, I mean, they, they, they build this game as a service, right? So it's like, we're gonna be around for at least, you know, until 2020, showing you what's gonna happen. It's like, we're, we're along for a ride. It's not just here, give us your money, we'll give you the game and that's it. And, and they just been popping up every so often uh, but it's just, it's not okay here in 2019, especially when you have a bunch of other companies doing similar things and doing them better. And and so it's really easy to just point the finger at Capcom and go, you guys aren't living up to the standard. And it's like, well, is there a standard? Not on, not officially, but yeah, there really is. And it's important that you adhere to it. And it leaves everybody feeling like they're just in the dark and that Capcom may or may not care. <sighs> so... I don't know, man. It's like I'm, I'm happy to play the game. It's better than it ever has been, in my opinion. But I don't feel much of a motivation to, and it's a part of it, at least, is becoming it is coming from the fact that I feel like Capcom's not in it. And if Capcom's not in it, in the era where it's a service-based thing and where everybody else is, is right there with their game, communicating with their communities, showing us, well, here's what we're getting today, and then also look forward to a month from now, because yeah. on this date, we're getting a huge reveal. And after that, we're getting a combat cast, and hey, Cabal's teased for that, you know, things like that. It's like, why am I going to waste my time uh, you know, just banging my head against the wall most of the time? And then, yes, Capcom has had some home runs with Street Fighter V, but the way they're not communicating with the audience, especially after they were, it's like, man, I've got better options. OG Geek 2016 says Capcom could be waiting until Evil Japan. That's probably what's happening, something along those lines. Traditionally, they've started announcing things in February or late January, and then the first tournament somewhere in March. They got to do it big, though. I mean, what John said's right. They can't. This has to be a service. If whatever they announce... I think if they status quo, yeah, it's the Capcom Pro Tour, yeah, it's the same 50 tournaments, yeah, the point structure sucks in a new way, like, yet again, it's going to be a... All these games need to do something big to compete with MK11, which I feel like has all the steam behind it and a lot of promise of good online and a lot of money and support and patches and stuff like that. So, we'll see. Well, um... Evo Japan will be where they announce stuff, probably. But, like, isn't Evo Japan, like, 
Is it expected to get high viewership? Is it, it's not going to have the biggest turnout? I think people like, will watch like, it. I think the turnout uh, for competitors is going to be a lot smaller. I think it's going to be a high elite Japanese tournament. I, I, but I, is that Street Fighter players don't mind that? I, I think appreciate they'll watch it. doing something at in Japan, right? Um, in their home home base. Uh, when is I don't know if you guys know this is usually a Steve question, but when is Evo Japan? And obviously, it's before final it's round. Mid February, I think. So you would announce something there so that you could get people excited to go to final round, get people excited about Street Fighter V. Anyway, shout out to everybody who has subbed so far. Do we have that list? Does final round even exist anymore? Yeah, I think it's the, uh, didn't they announce that's the, the first, uh, first tournament year, of not. this year's? They yeah. did announce that. Oh, okay. That the Capcom Pro Tour will return in 2019 at final round. Wow. Uh, thank you, Ace King Officer, for telling us this Valentine's did it weekend. again. Okay, so here's everybody that subscribed. Thank you. Uh... Captain Yellow, Unsung Hero, uh, The White Shadow, Beaver, FTW, Die by Sword just gifted a sub to Panda Global, <laughs> uh, Blue561, Kwanzai, and Dr. Rabbi Chang. That Thank one was you anonymous. To you to all to say. of you. Um, shout out to Die by Sword, the patron saint of Best of Five. I believe he's up to 101 now. Much appreciated. Thank you, Die what by Sword. Um, and now we have NDO103 who just subbed. Thank you. Thank you. This is a Smash-themed thanks. Um, all right. Is this going to be the year of Smash Ultimate or Mortal Kombat 11? Go. Depends on who you're looking at. Smash will probably get more viewers and more entrants. Yeah. But I think MK11, I, the, the game just needs to be fine. It just needs to be fine for them to hit it big. John, what do you think? Just don't suck. I think that there's room for two in that. I don't, I mean, one might be better than the other. I guess Smash is just ridiculous. It surprises me. It's like learning about, like, like when you learn about facts of how far apart stars are, it's like, even though you've heard it before, you're just amazed. When I hear about how big Smash audiences tend to be, I'm just amazed every time. So I, I think, like, if I'm just going to go with one, I go with Smash Bros because they're huge. They're amazing. But NRS is also very big. And they're doing it perfectly right. Not to say the Smash isn't. I think that those will be the uh, the guys to beat. And and you have a very promising year looking forward for uh, for Dragon Ball Fighters and Bandai. Uh, you know Negan's gonna be coming out. Or Negan's already out, right? I don't know. Actually, Bandai's no. looking good too. No, he's, he's not, not out. No, okay. Um, Anyways, there's a lot going on for a lot of companies uh, in the fighting game world, um, and Capcom is not one of them right now. Tekken could have a good year. I don't think Soul Calibur is gonna move the needle much. Um, so we'll have Smash Ultimate. We'll have, uh, of course, Marvel Infinite still uh, really firing all cylinders. Just kidding, it's a shame. Uh, Mortal Kombat 11, that's pretty much it, man. And then Street Fighter 5 is kind of still there still. Street Fighter, uh, the one thing you have to say is Street Fighter 5 will look a lot healthier in a couple months when the season's underway. I mean, we literally have no tournaments right now. You know, it, It's different. But I agree with that it's, it's going to be the smallest season yet. I think that's... Fair to say, for sure. Well, I can't wait for the combat cast. Was it supposed to be this week and they moved it to it's supposed Tuesday? to be tomorrow, I thought, or something, right? Yeah, now. but because they're in Chicago there with Netherrealm and um and it's too cold. Freaking cold. Apparently I'm I don't know, it's like sixty five here in Tucson or something like that. But everywhere else in the world right now it's just freezing. Brag about and, it, John. Uh, it's, they're like, don't go outside, don't open your mouth and breathe. And uh and so it's it's getting to the point where you can't even go outside. So they're gonna delay it until February fifth. Which is so a we'll have Tuesday, to wait until I believe. Then. Oh, shit. There goes our viewership. Yep. 
yeah. we're fucked. Yeah, I'd rather watch the Comeback Cast. Me Just too. kidding. <laughs> hey, fuck you, Alon. Um, <laughs> um, all right, so then let's just close out on one final topic. Who is the current greatest player in the world? Kazunoko has now won. Kaz. Okay, he also won, if I remember correctly, the last Street Fighter IV uh, Capcom Cup. He won Cup. the last Street Fighter IV Capcom Cup. He got third in one of the SF5 Capcom Cups. He won the cup for Dragon Ball Fighters. I feel like he's won an SBO for, for Guilty Gear. If he didn't, he got second. They're saying that he won a Team Arc Revo tournament. SBO, yeah, for Arc Revo. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's the best. I, I think it's, if you want to go as multi-games as a platform, it's him or Sonic Fox. And I think, I think over history, he comes out on top just because the games he's been the best at have been extremely popular at the time. Uh, people in the chat are reminding us that one time that the Capcom door on the stage bonked Kazunoko on the head as he was coming out. <laughs> yeah. He's still kicked ass. He's the king. All right, guys. Well, that brings us to the end of the panel portion of the show. We're going to say goodbye to our friend and compatriot. Uh, <laughs> Bye, Steve. King Bye, Steve. Thank you for all your input and uh, for making some graphics for us, some slides. And also John Velociraptor get it all who's looking very refreshed coming off of his vacation in Disneyland. Uh, so you're going to be covering uh, the Smash update, the patch, and uh, Prana Plan? I a million plant. things going on right now. Smash, uh, the new patch notes for Street Fighter V just dropped again. Like I said, it's mostly just bug fixes. Uh, probably do a story about that damn Power Rangers game and how it should be worth a lot more than just 40 bucks, <laughs> and then who knows what else. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thank you, John. Let and me miss you. Bye. Bye, dude. So coming up next, we're going to have Panda Global's CEO, the founder of Panda Global. He is a medical doctor. What do you have to say for yourself? You're going to be a lawyer someday, I guess, so that's kind of uh, braggable. And before we bring him Not on, really. Elon, uh, there was a video I had sent you. This is from Panda Global's uh, YouTube channel. I thought this would be a nice video to bring uh, Dr. Benet on. So why don't you hit us with that video? I hope the audience can hear this at home. Hey, Dr. Bernay, what do you think of that video we just played? <laughs> uh, excellent choice. That was that's a, it's a wonderful video. Yeah, we we brought uh, Nakiel to my house uh, for a couple of things, and uh, we decided to to film some stuff. And uh, they thought it was a stupid idea. I'm like, let's just get a fan. Like, look at his hair. Let's get a fan. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think I think that segues into the fact. I feel like a lot of things that you've done are things that people may have thought were a stupid idea to start. <laughs> I mean, seriously, and but you just killed it. Well, what do you mean, man? That no, I just mean, I mean, it's obviously been something that was like a labor of love and kind of ideas that you personally had from the get-go. You did not mm -hmm. take the beaten path of fighting game sponsorship from player choice to team choice to anything. So it's yeah, just interesting yeah. that you say that because I feel like it's always worked out. Thank you. It, yeah, it hasn't always worked out, but it looks like it. That's that's. I it's guess got the, the minus touch thing. over here. So <laughs> let's uh, let's get you a proper intro. We're joined now, of course, as we said, by Samurai Panda, Doctor Alan Benet. Uh, I'm pronouncing that right. I, I was going to say Bunny, yeah. and then I remembered it was Benet. Yeah, you got it right. You, got <laughs> right. Um, you founded the Panda Global team in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, actually, Evo. Oh, sorry, CEO 2015 was our first event. Okay. And um, even though there's been some ups and downs, and certainly we, maybe we can touch on some of those, you guys are growing strong, and it's a recognized team. Uh, certainly it's associated with, uh, you know, high-level players, and uh, you built a pretty strong brand, to be perfectly honest, in a, short, a pretty short period of time. Now, I promise I'm going to let you talk, but one of the things I want to start off with was 
because I was telling you earlier that um, I had found an old interview that I never got to publish that we did mm-hmm. at Evo 2017, and one of the first things you said was, "I was that your your roots are in the Smash community, and that you were seeing the way that some of these players were being treated by their esports orgs as commodities, not as people, right? And mm-hmm. that was one of the motivating factors to starting Panda Global. You know what? I'm just going to do it right. Um, Start there. So, I mean, if that's if that was the motivating factor, what has happened since in the last couple of years? Uh, oh, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Honestly, just go yeah, ahead and uh, tell us everything that's happened in the last uh, several years without skipping a yeah. detail. Yeah, that's uh, it's a little difficult, but I will say that you know we started off uh, in bo- both Smash and FGC. My roots are Smash, but I mean I played uh, every fighting game under the sun. I, I've entered Evo many many years ago. Um, in Tatsunoko vs. Capcom, actually. Uh, my, my code in Street Fighter 4 was not worth a damn, so I did not enter that. <laughs> um, you know, and I've been an avid uh, player for a long time, but it was a Smash community that I was most competitive in because uh, in Michigan, that was the biggest scene that we had. Um, so that was sort of the, the community that I gravitated towards and that I, that I personally call mostly home. Um, that said, though, uh, you know, when um, I went to... So I was a... I was a player a competitive player for smash brawl for about a year and a half and then i uh quit to do medical school um and then i ended up playing league of legends and getting like top 40 in the season one ladder that was a lot of fun um yeah terrible idea don't do that in medical school (laughs) and um yeah so i i quit that after i realized i could not balance league and uh medical school i graduated and i moved to phoenix for residency and uh, at the time, I was like, you know, I kind of want to make friends that aren't doctors, um, you know, um, not to say doctors aren't great friends. Um, no, actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. So <laughs> uh, I, I was like, you know, Smash 4 was coming out at the time. And I was like, I miss competing. I miss, uh, you know, fighting games. I miss the whole scene. So I was like, let me sort of get into it a little bit. And, you know, I have a bad habit of doing a little bit too much. Of mm-hmm. getting a little bit like sort of uh, too involved in the community, um, so I was like, I'm just gonna play, I'm just gonna play, and I sort of rejoined the community uh, a couple months later. Um, I of course was um, involved way too deep, uh, helping them run their scene and growing the scene significantly. And I saw a lot of players who were old friends of mine or new friends of mine that were just being treated very poorly, like by their teams. They were. They were getting in fights with them. They were just being treated like like cattle. Uh, and you know, I and I saw them also using the people around them and burning so many bridges. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Why are they treating people like this? Why are they uh, going out and doing this? If they just treated them better, they could do so much more. They're, they, these, these people are capable of so much in, in fighting games in Smash. So that I could do this without burning these bridges. I can do this while treating these people the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was sort of uh, why we found Pan Global. And, and uh, two months after that, uh, that thought came in my head. Dr. Was, Bonet, you know, what, what, what do your friends call you? I like calling you Doc. Um, is that acceptable? You can call me Alan. That's, that, that's okay. Without the white coat, Alan's, <laughs> Alan does fine. Alan, um, you know, I was struck by something recently with uh, Echo Fox dropping a ton of their players, and then when you saw Scar at the uh, finals, he wins a match, and he's like, Echo Fox, where you at? That, to me, signified that there was a little bit of animosity with the way things ended there. That maybe he felt cast aside. Maybe he felt like a commodity or a cattle, as you would say. 
But dropping players is par for the course. It happens all the time. You guys have done that as well. How is mm -hmm. it different for Panda Global than, and again, we don't have the inside scoop on Echo Fox, but you know, you, you're talking about how it's, you, you want to treat these people humanely like they're people and friends. How does that go? How does that conversation go when you have to let somebody go? Or has it not been, and we're not talking about the big elephant in the room, but um, w w with some of the Smash players, even some of the MK players, everybody who's come and gone through the doors, how does that process differ with Panda Global? Uh, it's it's difficult. So when it comes to me as an individual, I, we, we treat these players a lot more like um, – uh, like family, like people we're very, very close with. And removing a player from our roster almost is like removing a limb. Like, I, I care a lot about these guys. Like, we put a lot of thought into who we add to the brand, uh, why we're adding them, what can we do for them, how can we grow them, how can we be part of their lives going forward. Like, this is all stuff that is, is uh, incredibly important to us. Um, so when we have to remove a player, like for example, uh, we removed MBD, uh, we, we parted ways with him, um, a little bit ago and, and that was probably the, the most difficult player drop I've ever done. Um, because, uh, he was the first person I asked to be part of Panic Global and, um, it was a long, long time coming, but I never, ever, ever wanted to drop him when he was doing poorly. Hmm. Um, I wanted to support him through the hard times. I wanted to help him get better. I wanted to help him improve. And he did. He had some he had some low lows, you know, where he's just not doing well. And we supported him through that. We believed him in him all the way. And then he went up to get fifth at Evo. And then he won the first major in, in Smash Ultimate. But leading up to that, there was a lot of time where, where we were telling him, okay, we have to do these things. And then he wasn't quite doing them. And... Um, it was sort of a pattern of behavior and then we just said like, you know what? With ultimate, let's start fresh. Let's and let's let's make a new, you know, roster, put a new foot forward with this giant new audience is joining the the scene. And um he won. He won the first major. And that was the perfect time to let him go. Not for us. It made us look bad. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Like I don't care about that. But like for him to have the best opportunity to find another team. And, and we're talking to a lot of people as well. A lot of people come to us for advice about FGC and smash. We're pointing them in the right directions. MVD is one of those directions too. This is the time that he's going to get a, a team. And I'm so happy for him because I still consider him a, an extremely good friend of mine. And I'm, I'm not yet good at separating the whole business and, mm -hmm. and personal aspect of it. So, um, it's, it's really hard for me sometimes. But, and then, you know, like we, we let go of Ray Ray as well. Um, you know, as one of our other players, um, and Ray Ray, we've been supporting for a long, long time, you know, when he got lost because infinite just did not do well, did not click. And, you know, he was finding another game. He was trying DBFC. Uh, he was trying like, uh, um, everything he could really get his hands on and, Nothing did it for him. Nothing clicked. Yeah. But the whole time he was doing that, we wanted to support him through that because I truly do believe that Ray Ray has the potential to be a phenomenal player when he loves the game. But he has to love it. He can't just power through it. And I don't really think anyone should have to do that. Hmm. So eventually, after a while, I said, look, nothing's on the horizon. Nothing's clicked for you. So we'll let him go. And now he's actually he's doing a great job of bringing back Marvel 3 at NLBC. So uh, check that out because Marvel 3 is a phenomenal game.
Yeah, ask Donk about that. He made top <laughs> 36 one time at Evo. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, there are some big games that are now. There's so many ways, uh, directions I want to take this conversation. One is there's new games coming out, right? Or Ultimate is having a huge splash, and there's a big opportunity there. Another way to take it is, hey, Mortal Kombat 11 is around the corner. At one point, you had uh, Scar on the team, and mm -hmm. uh, right now you have Katana Prime. And tell me again. Hayate. Hayate. Mm -hmm. um, presumably, you're looking forward to Mortal Kombat 11 dropping to see what those guys do. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Um, I, I look. I, I I love fighting games, um, but M MK11 sort of missed me. I I don't really like. The Are way you the for real? I looks. thought you were being sarcastic. Yeah. You're, you're not no. interested at all. I'm I'm pers on a personal level. I just it, the gameplay looks kind of slow. I I'm not really a huge fan of the mix-ups right now. Uh, I don't like how dashing is is so slow. It's it's ridiculous to me. Um, and and I it, look, Mortal Kombat's gory. I get it, but like, it, it that's a gimmick to me. Like yeah, that's sure. his gimmick, you know. That's cool, and people love it. I literally had a, a girl at my office, one of the nurses, say, "Oh, I want to play that Mortal Kombat 11 game." I've never heard her talk about video games. I want to play that Mortal Kombat 11 game. Okay, like that that came out of nowhere. Um, but like, so it has this huge casual appeal. But like for me, like I'm like, okay, I've seen all the gore before. I played all the Mortal Kombat's before. Like it's nothing new to me. Like I don't really care about the new fatalities and this and this and this. Give me some good gameplay. And then, like, personally, I like more flexible combo systems. I like more flexible uh, mobility. So I, I'm more of, like, a like a Marvel uh, or anime fighter, more so than the, the like, NRS games, the sort of dial-a-combo system. It's more about mix-ups and neutral heavy. Yeah. So per, on a, just a personal level, I'm not a huge – I'm not really into the MK11 hype, but I see it. And people like it, so that's what matters. So right? it's interesting to me because it seems like a lot of the decisions you make for PG are at least partially out of what you do personally like, right? <laughs> it seems like yes. you've dedicated yourself to 1v1 esports, mostly fighting games, but I know you had Hearthstone players. And, you know, you started with Smash, and you've got <laughs> players of games like Smash 64 that aren't particularly popular at any esports level. What is it that yeah. drives you to, to pick up players? And is it really just your personal your personal feelings? Is there any sort of business side to it? What is it? Mix. Mix of both. Um, there is the personal side of things where I personally enjoy games. And I still run our social media, which I really should not be doing at this point in time. <laughs> um, and it, for me, it makes it a lot easier if I play the game uh, to understand the community and to really engage with that community. So that's a big deal to me. But uh, and, and every single game that we've done, I have played to some extent. But sometimes I play a game because we're picking it up. Like Here's the Storm, uh, Paladins, we did those back in the day uh, before we pivoted to 1v1. I played those games because we were picking them up. Uh, and th those are good games. I, I really had fun and I was able to engage with those communities. So, um, uh, uh, but for me, it also has to make financial sense. It has to be a good business decision as well. Uh, to do Smash 64 uh, is, I think, something super cool. I think the community uh, is a great community. It's very small. It's not a huge investment for us. But for us to be able to say, look, we have the best 64 player melee player you know or one of the best melee players one of the best um you know smash 4 players or now smash ultimate players like that's kind of like that's a cool it's a it's got this legacy to it it's got this like nice ring to it and then also it's pretty hype like have you seen the finals and stuff like it's actually really cool and i love boom like he plays i Captain love Falcon. smash 64 yeah you don't have to say right? me 
<laughs> yeah. So, so like I, to me, it was just a, a win all around, um, both on business side and a personal side to do a game like that. Um, so, um, it has to be a little calm, a little calm B for me. So, you know, seeing what happened with the Echo Fox roster of fighting game players, some of them felt unceremonious dismissals. Some of them felt like, wow, like right now, right before Capcom Cup or right before this big event and all that. I can By only the way, assume. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. They just released Prana Plant. He is playable. Oh, oh shit! All right, so we're going to close out the show and uh, photosynthesis, boys. I know you <laughs> guys started the nerf peach. I'm hyped. <laughs> I saw it. Okay, You're gonna great. have to wait 15 minutes, Doctor Bunny. <laughs> Bunny, sorry uh, to get right. to Prana Plant. Yeah. Now, question for you is again back to this stuff with Echo Fox. You see that happen, and you're like, wow, somebody made a decision that this is not working out, and they're just cutting their losses. Mm. I could be wrong about that. I don't have the inside scoop, but that's kind of how it looked from the outside. Those are the optics of it. Oh. And that might lead you to believe, hey, maybe this isn't profitable. It was a mistake. They overreached on FGC. So my question yeah. to you is not, hey, what do you know about Equifax? I wouldn't expect you to be able to answer those. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But my question to you is, is this making money, man? This is this is this is what you're dedicating half your life and time to. Um, does sponsoring fighting game players and investing in the fighting game community have any kind of reasonable return, or is this a labor of love for you? Uh, that's an excellent question. Um, yes, I do know the things that happen at Equifax, and no, I'm not going to share those because it's not really my story to tell. Um, when it comes to fighting games, yes, it's profitable for us. Uh, yes, we're getting a return on investment. Yes, Panagobal is doing very, very well for ourselves, uh, and we're very happy and very thankful um, for that because we put a lot of effort into what we do, uh, and, and we really try. Um, no, fighting games don't make money. Uh, to be frank, we are the only brand that has been able to make money off fighting games. We're the only team that has been able to go into FGC and actually turn a profit. Um, we are the only organization that exists right now that is a positive um, uh, income thanks to fighting games. Uh, it's a it's a really, really, really hard genre, and it is so hard to the esports and fighting games. And it is it has historically been uh, seen by by many teams as just a money sink, mm -hmm. as uh, as really. A lot of teams used to see fighting games as like a, we're so big, we can just waste money on a fighting game. That was, it was like a That's a what Equifax kind of felt, felt like. Mm -hmm. It was a statement of how big we are, we can do these games that are clearly not going to make a return. Because look, you know, can I take a percentage profit of their winnings? Sure. And you know, if I did that for Fortnite, I can make a, a great profit off a team if they do well. You do that for fighting games? For, for the guy that won the Tekken World Tournament, Rangshu? <laughs> How much money are you really going to make on that? You, that's that's maybe travel for one of the tournaments you sent him to internationally because he's a, a Korean player. No, that's not where you're going to make the money off of. And then, then eyeballs? Impressions is the next place you make money. And and uh, it, it's really hit and, hit and miss, really up and down for impressions and fighting game community. Uh, branding in the fighting game community is... Um, I say actually probably one of the weaker uh, branding uh, uh, in, in esports right now uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, so like you have to be able to convert these things. You have to be able to, to make this niche. And I think uh, Uyu 
is a great example of people mm-hmm. who are who are more or less kind of doing it right. I think they're overstretching a little bit personally. I don't know much about them. I don't know much about their finances, obviously. It does seem like they're doing a little bit too, too much. But I think they did it really right with, with like, finding a niche. They said, let's make Tekken our niche. And Tekken's a phenomenal game. It's really, it's the only game in FGC that's not di- uh, not going down. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, not dying. That's, that's not the word. Not going down. Uh, the viewership is being stable, uh, if not going up a little bit. Uh, entrants are stable, if not going up. It's it's a fantastic game, mm-hmm. um, and it's so much fun to watch too. So I think that they made the right choice with their their game, uh, and and they sort of made that their little home. And because they have a little home, they're able to find sponsors. They're able to to say this is what we do the best. Um, and that's that's super super important for a team going into fighting games. Say this is what we do the best. Like. We're the best European team. We're the best, uh, you know, this team or this team or or. What are you guys the best team. at? We are actually the largest fighting game team in the world. There you go. And that's, um, you know, that's something that we we do better than anyone else, uh, thankfully, right now. Doc, uh, we have some uh, questions from our Discord, and we promised we would ask yeah. some of these. <clears throat> Kashik asks, um, any reveals? Are you looking to add more players to the roster this yes. year? Yes. Um, uh, fighting games, I think 2019 is going to be a little bit of a weak spot for FGC, traditional FGC. I think Street Fighter is going to be in a little bit of a lull. Tekken, I'm waiting to hear a little bit of the announcements of the Tekken World Tournament before uh, we are going to bring on more Tekken players. I really, I really want more Tekken players. Right now you have um, Speed Kicks. Yes. And I love Speed Kicks. Um, 2018 was a bit of a disappointing year for him. Um, but I believe in Steven uh, wholeheartedly. The man is a genius. He's got so much potential in him. And I think he's going to be one of the best in the world when he can really tap into that. So I'm going to support him in, in, in what he's doing with that. Um, but I do want to add a little bit more because I, I love Tekken. And I think that's really going to be the game in 2019 that's going to to um, to really hold up. DBFC, uh, I'm very happy with Nakiel. I think he had a decent 2018, and it's his first time as a uh, professional player um, at going full-time. And, um, you know, we're supporting him. He's got a great stream. He's got a great personality. He works super hard. Um, so we're very happy with him, too. I don't really see us doing a whole lot more in DBFC besides Nakiel. Uh, Street Fighter V, obviously we are looking for a new Street Fighter V uh, player, um, and we really want to do it right. It's hard to um, go up. I think we went from punk to infiltration. Yeah. Um, you know, and then how do you how do you go up from there? And we're really we are hoping to go up, but if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But we are certainly going to support the scene. I think Street Fighter Five, unfortunately, while it's going to have its worst uh, year in terms of viewership and entrance, probably coming up this year, I hear nothing but good things about the new patches. Um, uh, you know, everyone is really hype about uh, the way that the game is going. Um, so uh, I think that it's going to be pretty cool. Um, um, to to continue supporting. I personally, and this is just a shot in the dark. I personally feel like there's going to be a Street Fighter Six in, in you know 2020. Um, yeah. I think that they're they're sort of winding up, winding down the mm-hmm. five, and then they're going to wind up with the six. And I think that's going to coincide with the PS5. Uh, is my best guess. Um, I really hope they nail it this time, though. All right. Uh, next question from the ch- from our Discord is here. Is whenever asks on a scale from one hundred to one hundred, how excited are you uh, for farming simulator esports circuit? Farming simulator esports circuit is larger has a larger prize pool than Smash, Tekken, <laughs> yep. 
the basically all the anime fighter well individually anime fighters if you put them together i think uh with the new circuit that roxas did it's equal to that it's bigger than probably the capcom cup if the if the dlc doesn't do very that's nuts <laughs> that is nuts and i i bought the game out of curiosity i haven't opened it yet <laughs> oh yeah how are you doing but, like uh, you a thresher main or uh, you got your tractors I just, going I, how does Sports even work in this game. That's what's confusing the hell out of me. So I'm like, what? The, what is this? Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna farm a little bit just to find out what that is. Okay, Blue has a question for us, and it's basically around the idea that if Nintendo ever enters the space uh, a little more legitimately than it has in the past, how, what do you think that would do for the uh, for the scene, and how excited would you be for something like that? Nintendo, ooh, I. I know too much, and I can't really go into it. <laughs> okay, that's, that, that, that sounds good, to be honest. I'm going to take that as a positive thing. But I will say that Nintendo, uh, uh, they have it. They, they are doing it right in terms of not wanting to overstep. They are like, look, this community has existed uh, for a long time before we came around. We don't want to screw things up for, th for the people that really put that effort in. That hesitancy is both a good thing. In a lot of ways, and and a bad thing in some ways, and take that for what it is. But they 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 know everything about us. They watch us closely, and that's cool. They they actually watch us for the first time, um, you know, uh, since we've existed as a community. Um, so it's kind of like Big Brother. Nintendo's what you're telling me that they're watching us in our sleep, and uh, they're and taking notes. Inches, you know, not um, your nice the works. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they're good people though. Um, the the Nintendo America people that I know very well, um, and they really do care uh, about us, like having careers and 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 you know the Smash community doing well. They gave us patch notes with details. Oh, yeah? That's a first. What's no. up with Peach? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can, you can open Peach. them up. No, they have very specific patch notes with like the actual changes. Getting... I I can't actually say that. Never mind. Um, <laughs> Did you know it, it's it, incredible? It's tantalizing no, when you're not telling us. this has never happened before. This is like a big deal. No, for, for, for that, but this guy over here has insider knowledge that I want to pry out of him, but I won't make him nope. do that, not even under friend DA. Uh, <laughs> I, won't, I won't make you talk about it. But what I do <laughs> want to make you talk about, before we let you go and get your hands on the photosynthesis boy, um, mm -hmm. Ultimate GameCube Adapter Kickstarter. At $87,000 pledged of its $55,000 goal, 16 days to go, you have uh, well over 1,000 backers. Killed it on this one, yeah. What you. are you doing <laughs> creating, you know, uh, like a, a, an ancillary product for the Switch when you, have, when you already have so much shit going on? This is what I'm talking about, yeah. Doc. Yeah, yeah, we do a lot. We do a lot. Because I, I, um, I want to continue doing more. I want to continue going to the next level, uh, expanding what we can and can't do. And for me, I thought, what else can we do for the community? What else can we do to to do esports right? And esports isn't is not the sports community. It's not it's not like a sports one to one analogy like people think it is. Like, no, we're not a sports team. We're an esports team. This is a wholly different entity, wholly different thing. And uh, I thought about hardware for a while, and then when I met the guy that, that was creating this, I said, this is it. This is a niche product that, that nobody would create because it's to a small competitive community that, that clearly is not going to be profitable enough for a large company to, to put money into R&D uh, and to do this. Um, but it's cool, and it's something I would personally use mm -hmm. a lot. And it's something that a lot of people want or need uh, when traveling. So 
I thought this is what we want to do. We want to target these niche markets, niche gamer markets to us. You know, that only matters really to us as a community, um, you know, and uh, create things for them that are cost affordable for us and for them and uh, and be able to serve them better. Uh, so this is a first step in, in our hardware direction. And I really hope that people take to it. Um, you know, it's uh, it was fun to do within 28 hours. Uh, it is um, halfway to its first stretch goal. I'm, I'm really, really happy about that. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm ecstatic, honestly, that that people are taking to it. And uh, personally, this is like, this is my main adapter. That's what this is what I use. So you already have game. the prototype there in your house, huh? Yes, uh, no USB port, unfortunately, and it actually has the old logo before uh, we folded into Pan Global. This is what he first sent us, and this is when I called him. I said, "You want to make a hardware awesome. division with Pan Global?" Um, that's great, man. That's really cool. You yeah. can you can just see everybody at Evo busting those out and uh, right? like the the floor that's, littered with them, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Like when I went to uh, my local tournament, every setup was a tournament setup. So I'm like, shit, I just busted out my my uh, you know Ultimate GameCube adapter, and I just started playing friendlies to warm up. And then people came up and like, yo, can I play? Yeah, yeah. like this. I have a little setup, so it's really I, I don't know. It's really fun to me. Doc, final question, final topic. Uh, I'm not going to make you rehash all that stuff, but I do want to know. I mean, you seem like uh, your heart's in the right place. You're like the exemplary uh, team. Um, a lot of people should learn from you. Seriously, you just told us that you're the, the only, one of the only profitable ones. What did you guys learn from the infiltration ordeal? It seemed like it was an ordeal, like I said. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, you, probably the most difficult thing I've ever done as a uh, businessman. Um, it's the most uh, trying thing uh, that we had to do as Panda Global um, to be able to do this right. Because there's so many ways we could have done that wrong. There's so many things that, that unfortunately had to go unsaid and so many twists and turns that people will never really know. Uh, in in sort of the discovery of things and and really getting to the details and and leading up to the point of of doing the announcement, um, it was it was very hard. Yeah. Uh, what I learned is that I never want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how uh, how could you know though, right? Like, how how could you plan for something <laughs> that or like try to avoid it in the yeah. in the future, right? Exactly. I, I don't know how you would do that. It, that's the thing. Like, it's so hard. Like, uh, we couldn't do a criminal background check on him because he's Korean. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's there's no uh, background check the system that they have. Um, and even if there was, it would we would have missed this most likely if you didn't have a specific case number. You would have never have known. So, uh, it's for the lessons we learned from it. I think uh, um, I, I if you try to do things right. You'll get some hate on the way, but people will ultimately understand yeah. that, yeah. you know, you did what you could. I We tried to be as as fair as possible to everyone involved. We tried to make it as as clear for what we we're doing and why we were doing it uh, as possible. Um, and we tried to do a level of transparency that um, that required a lot of lawyers and, um, uh, you know, was uh, something that. I felt the community needed like FGC lives off of these gossips and these rumors and these, you know, these things that get spun out of control that like, you know, you hear like, like, a, like a telephone story wise. And I, do, I think that they deserve more. 
they deserve, um, you know, truth um, and clarity um, as much as we possibly could. So, um, yeah, and I, I also learned stop, stop listening to people when they're when they're giving you crap. Like a lot of people saying, "Oh, you know, you're trying to sweep this under the rug." It's like how, like <laughs> you, you never go to to a tournament without this being rehashed. So how are we possibly sweeping the rug? We we stopped him going from tournaments. How are we possibly, you know, there was so much hate that we got just because it took us a while to do, uh, and I needed to just remove myself from that criticism mm -hmm. um and that was hard but uh um it was worth it in the end i think well doc thank you for the interview thank you for the candid responses um you say 2019 might be a down year for the fgc i i'm hoping that between smash and mortal kombat 11 uh, we might well, have a good year let's let's be honest smash is not part of the fgc uh, <laughs> oh damn we have it here it's true you know it's funny because yeah, people say that different. as a meme but you as a diehard yeah are, FGC and Smash Community grew up in different places. Like they are, they are not the same thing. They are. I think that Smash is a platform fighting game, but it's not the FGC. FGC is a different beast. All right. Well, then FGC is going to have a down year, but Smash is going to have a banner year. Cousins, right? Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, good luck in 2019. I, Thank I'm you. looking forward personally to seeing who you guys pick up for the various titles. And uh, there's a lot of talent out there. Hopefully, you can make its way to Panda Global. And I'll be picking up one of them. Uh, let me see the correct pronunciation. Ultimate GameCube adapter. I mean, when's that likely coming out? Do you know? Uh, July 2018 is what we're shooting for. That's nice. when we get the manufacturer said that they can they can actually deliver. We're shipping it straight from China uh, directly to uh, the consumers. So hopefully it works out well. Uh, the audience at home probably doesn't know this, but uh, Dr. Benet here is uh, coming back from a pretty severe cold, and he was still kind enough to uh, to come on the show. Um, I, I went through like four halls uh, just to, <laughs> to do this interview. Well, we're super grateful for your time, and again for uh, the kind of nature of the of the responses. And uh, have a good 2019, man. Thank you again for your time. Absolutely, anytime. Take care. All right, thanks. So there you have it. Um, shout out to him for coming on the show and giving yeah, us that definitely. Insight. And uh, I'm sure you want to go home and try out the... Oh, oh badly, man. I want to play boy. Piranha Plants so bad. <laughs> is that your new man? I mean, I Peach is safe. Piranha Plants out. It's the perfect Tuesday evening. Yeah. All right. Well, we won't keep you any longer. Thank you, everybody at home, for watching. And again, thank you to John. And send your love and support to Steve. We want him back next week. And shout-outs to Alana uh, for switching the show. See you next week, guys.